podcast listeners. If you hear my voice right now, I need you to do something for me. I want you to take out your phone or on your computer, go to Apple Podcasts, search for Ask Your Old Head Podcast. You'll see my, my logo, my little picture, my little image there. Find the show. Please rate and write a review. It's a small thing, but it helps others find this work and find what I'm doing here. And it really, really matters, uh, as small as that may seem. So if you could please do that uh, before we get into the show, I much appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Let's get into it. Peace. Peace. I'm Justice. My brother, Justice Rod G. All right, man. So, yeah, we recorded something in a minute. So, I'm just try to get right into it. So, you sent me um, a minute back and a, a Rich Paul interview on Gilbert Arenas's, um, I guess, I guess it's podcast. That's what they call all of these now. They're all podcasts. yeah. I guess we're I, you know shows, yeah. Their I content. We, let me you know get thirty seconds for this. I don't know what all this shit is now. I, I guess it's media. I guess it's cool, man. Like you know, there's money out there for people to do things and say things. But at some point, like, is it a podcast anymore? Like, are y'all even acting like you're putting it on listening, like streaming devices? Or is it like, it's going right to YouTube? Yeah. Or it's paid for by a gambling company? And it's not. They, I mean, just to me, at this point, call it, it's just media. Yeah. But I would even argue, don't just call it oh, like a podcast. Because good, good, better, and different, there are things that people connect it's like this idea of a podcast, like you're listening to something when you're going somewhere, or you mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. You're being and thoughtful, then, like us. Yeah. <laughs> right. We're funny, yeah. but we're thoughtful. <laughs> exactly. Like, and, it, and it's supposed to be the whole exception was sort of this, you know, distributed, uh, what you call it, a syndication. You know what I'm saying? Like, you could access it on your own. So, like, it was your own choice to, to listen to this as opposed to like a part of some, you know, media. Right. Terrestrial, ter- terrestrial media or even straight, even like the 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 you know the seriouses and everything like that. Like yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, that's for another day. I think we need to. I think we need to kind of open that can up a little bit. But, but suffice to say, he was on Arenas's podcast. Yeah, air quotes. And uh, and though the thing that uh, was interesting, it was a couple things. I mean, one, at least it, you know, depending on how you you see it, but like as someone who. I think, you know, you know, I think we both pride ourselves in being pretty good, you know, judges of character, kind of can read, like, okay, I see how I see how you're carrying it, like see what you're doing over there. He definitely came across as like, they be acting like I'm playing, but I ain't playing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like he like if, if you if you only learn about Rich Paul from listening to like sports commentators, sort of like uh the 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 diversively what's the word the right the writing like negatively speaking negative or, or at least yeah. hinting negatively of clutch as like a serious um you know a, like sports agency, agency right right and 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 what what that role means or at least you know as i see it and again i might be you know I'm, my 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 harmed uh blackness maybe <laughs> maybe it's the, it's the subtext of like um insinuating in one way or another that like the that like almost like it's not like a real like representation and whatever you know whatever agency but I, I like you know like you know it comes across to me that 
he has a serious like perspective on like business, like the business that they're in, and and even the the thing that I thought was really interesting in the discussion in that interview when they started talking about sort of like shoe deals changing, like where you're positioned in the market and like the role of the athlete and the talent, but then like, you know, represent not just like super big people, <laughs> right? Super, you know, the, right. the big names, but also like, um, and all of this, like, and, and then the, and then the other aspect that I thought was interesting, and we'll, I guess we'll get to that. I'll, I'll need to get to a question at some point <laughs> to give you is the, um, the piece sort of speaking about like what he had to do to like build this because you know the narrative or the insinuated narrative is sort of like well, that's LeBron's man and so he just sort of came along for the ride and then one day there was a sports agent but when he when he gets into you know speaking about like you know yeah like you know if you're on the payroll I was on the payroll for two years and then you know I had to do my own I had to you know I was out here and right uh like it was a lot of like interesting tidbits but I guess I would just I guess maybe I'll frame you and give me some thoughts like what was something for you that you found particularly interesting about their conversation or you thought was point? Yeah. I mean, you know, I think um, like always just, you kind of introduced that in a way that I think is some provoking thoughts around, you know, what does it mean when a black person does something that we've always thought was the dimension of white people? And to whom or what do we owe the pleasure of that person's success? Mm -hmm. Especially if that Black person has not come through the system that traditionally white folks go through. Mm -hmm. And so I say that to say, when I, because it takes me back to think about George Ravelin, right? Like when we think about like the whole Jordan and the sneaker thing, right? When you watch the show and you know, they had to go to George Raveling. George Raveling went to the parents and George Raveling was a coach at USC and he was an Olympic coach. And sometimes we forget that like George Raveling was doing that college, that high level college coaching at that time. Right. Mm -hmm. But George Raveling came through the system. Mm -hmm. So we acknowledge his greatness. We also acknowledge he came through the system of having to deal with the horseshit that he had to go through in those spaces. Right. And still was a solid guy. Rich Paul, Maverick Carter, et al. are different because not only did they get into the space, they did not go through the system in the same way as the industry was changing. Mm -hmm. And so they don't get the credit. Not only do they not get the credit because they're black and people don't want to give them the credit, they don't get the credit because as the world changes, it's kind of like Deion Sanders now, right? Like, you came in, you came in different. You didn't come in and doing it the way we did it. And you're doing it differently at a time that everything is changing. So we can't really give you the credit because you're actually being a part of the creative destruction of the system that was existing before. With Dion doing the whole, is get a whole new team. <laughs> right? Right, <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, like we just, it's like 80 new, it's like 72 new dudes here. Yeah, like, get a whole new team, man. You know what I mean? But that's the nature of today's world. And Rich Paul did things with the changing nature of the world where the person who understood the athlete was best suited to represent the athlete, not the person who had the best relationships with the, the, the superstructure. 
Mm-hmm. Because prior, David Falk and them didn't have the best relationship with the players, but they had the best relationship with the structure. And that itself is who should have been, who that was the best manager. That was the best agent. Yeah. Well, and then the thing that, and, I, and it, it made me curious to like look into, uh, and I don't know if he has, they got, I, mean, I imagine somebody might have wrote, they probably, I know I can probably, probably find some articles on Rich Paul and Maverick Carter, but like the, so like the the thing we praise or some people praise like sort of the tech disruption, like tech big tech startup and you disrupt the system and then da da da. Like the the existential threat of all times of change, I think, in America, in in uh, maybe in the world, but definitely in the United States, is that like whatever the apparatus and and the structural uh pathway into any industry that exists you know when you start out in life so like you know it's 90s and you become an engineer and you're like yeah i'm gonna go get a job in engineering in a you know a big company that needs engineers you know there's a structure in place that wants you to show up this way and do this kind of work um and you know you're gonna come in you're gonna go through a corporate hiring process and and then, then we're going to you know do this other thing and then you're going to get hired and then maybe you can work your way up the chain some some executive that don't know how to, to screw on a light bulb is going to be in control of your future because you're you know you're not a business guy you're the engineer guy right and like google's right. whole thing was we center the engineer as as the as the as the operations of why this works exactly right? when you read uh the, what, what's the name the, the, the it's like the sixth, the sixth person, like at, at Google, <laughs> like I think is that the thing that guys. I mean, I got the book's name. I'll find it. Um, but one of the things they talk about in that book is the like their thing, and then this became a problem <laughs> for Google, right? And later, boys, because it's like you have people who just think about making the thing work, who don't understand the people part, <laughs> right? Which is right. an issue. But the so then that disrupts the chain of not just like the way this business functions, but it also disrupts and kind of puts into question like, yeah, why do we need this dude over here who just went and got a master somewhere that's a pet that supposedly says he knows business? Then they don't even know what this business is, right? Like, why is this person important? And then everyone's, you know, suddenly, uh, and as I think we'll maybe touch on when we get to a second topic here, it like puts in puts in relief like the whole model to go, wait a minute. Maybe we don't need like this many admins in the in the uh, what's the name pool to process paperwork. Maybe we don't need like suddenly all these other roles and jobs and, and, and expectations have changed. So like when you have the expe- expectation of like the entourage member who then is like going to be- kind of become sort of like the representation or at least the kind of like personal assistant or high level executive assistant to the to the to the high operating you know pro athlete you know, the real the reality or even the trope of what that means. But then you actually have, you know, not just like, oh, they went to law school while the homie was, you know, was excelling in the league, so they would be ready to leave. But like, not like they really like learned the business <laughs> and then came up with a vision of how to practice and do the business. And, you know, when he talked about like, you know, having relationships with athletes and that like there's stuff about being a professional black athlete and being a, a, a black person <laughs> that they can understand better than some of the people who might be already in, in the structure because they're not from their community. They're not from their world. Right. And exactly. And it's fundamentally disruptive. Right. Mm-hmm. And to your point, 
when you're disruptive in all the other spaces, we think it's really cool in America. Yeah. Right? It's like Google disrupted this, <laughs> you know, until it got weird. Elon Musk disrupted this. Like everyone thinks it's cool. And generally speaking, generally speaking, it can produce a higher, a higher quality product. Mm-hmm. That's how we should see Rich Paul. That's how we should see Maverick Carter. That's how we should see the broader legacy of LeBron James. Again, that's not to say that we're not black agents because there were and still are and other people because there is a world beyond Rich Paul and, you know, and, and, yeah. and, and, and clutch, right? Yeah. There are people who are represented by other people and they're in the system and they're doing well. So it's not to have that conversation like Rich Paul over everything. However, the uniqueness of his positioning him having relationships with multiple athletes beyond LeBron James. Right. Right. Fostering the relationships with multiple athletes, being able to tell the athletes the truth of, like you said, about what it means to be a black athlete. Like you, if you don't do this, you're going to go broke. You can't bring five guys with you. They all can't be on the payroll. And if they're all on the payroll, what is their job? And if their job is just to be with you and tell you you're great, not to wake you up or make sure you get to the gym, then they're letting you down. <laughs> what he said, uh, what he talking about, like when they was talking about, um, I thought it was actually interesting too. I mean, it, and there's a later conversation just about like this whole world of these athletes, like speaking on their experience now, like in media, mm-hmm. and, like what that means if we could have it a later time. Yeah, but like the aspect of like uh, Kenya Martin shared to be like, yeah, like you know, the homies and I bought the building, and then like, ain't nobody do nothing with the building, right? Like these things that happen in in the process of like how it, it, it's a it's a it's like a hyper vision of it because you have this super largest of position and power that the athlete has. But it is a like a phenomenon in the way like men that are peers age together and like everybody maybe don't go in the same direction <laughs> in terms of how they life run, right? right? So then it's like, you know, yeah, we can't hang out. We're not like not that I don't want to hang out with you no more. I got stuff to do, right? And at some point, if you're not maybe moving about the stuff that I, that has to get done in the same way, it's not we're not going to spend time, right? We're not going to be kicking it. Cause I'm, you know, being busy. Like, like I, the analogy that I pulled or was thinking about was like, yeah, at some point, if you know, if, if one of, I don't know, if one of us was pro, was pro athlete at, at Pitt or like just going to the league, and we was kicking it, you know, at some point, it'd be like, look, if you want me to come hang out, like, you know, I gotta have, I gotta have a purpose around here. I can't just be over, you know, I'm at Majestic House because he got, he got to go put twenty on the Pacers and shit, and I'm just hanging out, <laughs> like. Like I'm gonna be in there making sandwiches or something. Like yeah, I'm a, I got your right. I got your food fitness. Like and and the trend acknowledgement and here's what I say about manhood and in the black community in particular. And again, I, I would probably it's probably happening in the Asian community. It's probably happening in the indigenous community. So I'm not trying to you know kind of put something this black pathology right. Mm-hmm. But we're black, so I'm speaking on us being black. Yeah. <laughs> the idea of someone being so wealthy that you can just be there and don't have to have a skill. Yeah. Right. Versus you're, you're developing an industry around you. And I think LeBron and I, 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 
I'll think about this a little more, but I I do think LeBron of the of the ones that we call like the the we hold in that high esteem was the first one that like we know three the names of three people around them. Like I don't know the names of anyone to hang out with Kobe. And in fact, Kobe was he was like the Michael, he was like the Uber Michael Jordan, right? Mm-hmm. I don't hang out with none of you niggas. I don't like none of you motherfuckers. Like, I follow my own dad. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? I don't, like, all that. Like, you know what I mean? Well, like, I am an athlete and nothing else, right? And, and again, I think Kobe later in his career kind of sheds shed a lot of that, right? Yeah. But early, early, like, we don't know who was Kobe Bryant's, like, business guy. Yeah, it's... but we know who LeBron's business. We know Maverick Carter. We know Rich Paul and a whole host of now guys that are with them that have created these industries. And that's called it that. And being in Pittsburgh, two hours from Cleveland, you definitely see the impacts of what they've done in Cleveland. Ooh. It's even as far as the management and the people that live there and the kind of sports nightlife culture that exists there. There's mm-hmm. a lot of there's a lot of Rich Paul, LeBron James money behind that mm-hmm. in in Cleveland right now, and in Akron, I'm sure. But I've been to Cleveland, so it was really unique to think about this infrastructure that they're building being very intentional in ways that we would normally use them as examples in Harvard Business uh, School case studies. But because of it being so disruptive at a time and where now athletes, again, the most important person to the athletes is a, per- is, in per- is a person that's close to them and then can project and reflect their needs to the system versus who's closest to the system, like mm-hmm. we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And like, that's what I really, really took from it. And like, when things are shifting and changing, how do you have people? that are really good distillers of that transition and what that means. Um, this, this week, the Sports Illustrated had a, the money issue on NIL, um, and I'm reading through it now. And that's a whole, again, that's a whole other thing of like what happens when someone's in high school and literally starting to create this context that they'll be a millionaire the moment they sign to, to a college. Mm-hmm. And how do you manage that? And then, obviously, like in most things in capitalism, there's going to be a few really big winners, a system around those winners, and a lot of losers. Because mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a lot of people getting front money from people thinking they're going to sign NIL deals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, only to owe people later because they fronted you money on the NIL deal before you before you either got it or before you were successful. Right, right. So, I, you know, just I, in close, I'll say for me, the Rich Paul interview, um, it, it, this, this is the benefit of having the media where it doesn't just have to come through like Freakonomics, right? Like right, I'm a Freakonomics right. fan, but like I should be able to hear about something that is important to me outside of the traditional channels of like where I think I would receive quality information. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's an that's an important part for all of us and an important part, frankly, for the future of sports business and even the future of business in, in many in, in our communities. 
Yeah, and I think my my one I advise folks you know, go check it out. I mean, you know, we, we can critique the overall like nature of the way the interview was structured, but you know, I felt the the that he really um, shared some interesting things. You know what I'm saying, and 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 and, and some clarity, a vision, and, and just a, a nuance to around like. You know, operating at that level of of industry as a black man in America, um, and then everyone in that room, sort of as a part of a like a operational context that is like special <laughs> and and different. Like that is, you know, as uh, I think uh, it was a John from another. I don't know if it was. I got to double check who was saying it, but basically, that like only been like five thousand people have played in the NBA ever. What? <laughs> Right, you know, would you be like, oh no, nah, wait, you know, you start thinking about it. Uh, it's like, man, that's a very small. Like, if you are there, you know, I guess maybe this is a moment to say, if someone is on a professional sports team, even if they're not starting, they're really good at foot. They're really good at sport. <laughs> like regular people <laughs> compared to everyone else, you know, whether that's because they won the you know the genetics world series you know what i'm saying they just happened <laughs> to be born to like you know other people that was big strong and fast or you know fortunate you know what i'm saying placement in time where they was able to you know activate you know that level of athleticism but then all of the other things that come with that is really a structure that you know quite frankly is, is that that are paid that other people have incentive to make money off of you and not be totally concerned with how it works out for you and um you know, I think it was really, um, you know, it was really, it, it, you know, it was like an interview. I was like, I'm, I'm going to listen to this again, and then I'm going to go see if I can find some other, like, Rich Paul discussions. Because <laughs> also the thing I think it, it showed to me, like, I think, like, they clearly have, have a perspective of, like, how they're trying to approach the world, right? You know, and, oh, yeah. and, 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 they, and they've been playing that play out, and I, and I respect that. You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, we got to, this is how we're going to do it, and then we're doing it. <laughs> And it's sort yeah, of the, there's a thesis in the theory of the case, real yeah. just on that point. Rap Radar um, also did an interview with him because I think his uh, memoir drops in October. Um, okay, yeah, which is I think a lot of the kind of build up for the build conversation. Up to get that out there. Okay, yeah, but I think uh, Rap Radar has a, I, I watched that one has a good one too, um, in regard to to their to to his uh his theory of the case. Indeed, indeed. So. In other news, <laughs> briefly, um, the writer strike ended, and the um, you know I think one is I mean the last I think one hundred forty six days, which is a significant amount of days. Um, you know I think the last time the TV writers struck that strike, you know all of this stuff is about the change, you know kind of in tune what we talking about Rich Paul, <clears throat> you know the changing of these markets and how they're capitalized and how they make money, and then within that turns to how everyone job roles function and how you're paid. And I don't know all the nitty gritty details of, 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 of the, of the agreement or the tentative agreement. And so I'm not going to attempt to do that, but I think there's a larger conversation about like labor organizing and, and then also like, especially, I mean, in this context, like creative, uh, folks. And then like the idea that there's that even that even technology, uh, could do some of those roles, but 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 not so much like the discrete conversation about whether AI could or couldn't, 
But the idea that like somebody who has the power to figure figure that out and be like, well, if I could not pay you <laughs> and I could use this uh this uh algorithm over this uh server over here to, to, to generate at least reasonable uh or 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 close to something useful content, like I would, like kind of the idea that like I think was at the at the core of um the fight there. Um was was really around like you know how these things that you know are, i guess I mean, I'm, I'm mumbling rumbling bumbling here all right tv when we was kids was highly structured on look we sell commercials <laughs> in between the shows there's only so many networks a billion people have to watch them because it's all they got and then cable right. came out and then they were like oh well, we can make space for some other content and then they paid the cable you know you paid the cable man and um you know, and we all you get the ability to watch a whole bunch of shit that yeah. you're not going to watch. Yeah, and we can repurpose stuff that we already put out <clears throat> even further. So not only can you watch uh, what's happening, you know what I'm saying, and uh, uh, right. that's my mama and all these other shows <laughs> that you didn't know was on because she was if you know I was four in 1980, like I didn't know all the shows, <laughs> but then I saw all these shows. You know what I'm saying? Because they was in syndication because you had more channels, right? Um, and then the other, you know, the people always cite that the previous writer strike really turbocharged the reality industry because TV recognized that, oh, we can make these reality shows where we don't have to pay as many writers. We don't have to pay as much like in the show, you know, and people watch this stuff. So like all y'all that watches all of them shows, the housewives of this and the, the, the outdoor that and the, the bachelorette, the bachelor and, this, and the tough love seven and whatever, you know, y'all watch all that stuff. I mean, you know, I watch a couple of cooking shows and Lego Masters occasionally. You know what I'm saying? I I I, I, ain't, I ain't saying I've I'm, never seen Lego Masters. I gotta check it out. It's size. It's a little weird, but it, if you like Legos, they do make some dope Lego stuff sometimes. You know, if you like to see it, like man, that's a crazy castle. Look at that castle. Um, <clears throat> you know what I'm saying? Like, and that so like reality shows structurally are really cheap to make because like you can sequester people for like four or five weeks and you do all this stuff with them and you film it and then you can put that on for like six months right yeah um, and, and have people watch it and spin them off yeah right and you sell the ads and like so you know it's a lot of it's just stuff so I, I just wanted to touch on though like i think the the larger thing that's happening is, is we do have a you know, even though you know, unions once, I think, what's the number, like 40 or 50 percent of like the American workforce used to be in the 50s or 40s, 50s. I can't, I'm not here going to quote. The, it's the it's lowest than it's ever been in a long yeah, time. It's lowest it's ever been. However, I think we're in a moment of, especially where the union still exists, of, of a level of assertiveness and like, yo, you're going to have to, you know, and I think at the core, at least my understanding of the writer's drag is sort of like, you one, you have the money to go ahead and just and like pay folks appropriately, like to just do it. <laughs> like, you don't, like, this is like you don't need to be this greedy. Like, you you can go ahead and cut cut us a check so we can make these TV shows and programming. Um, but um, yeah, I wanted to get your thoughts just on like that. Right? Yeah, I, I think I think you know what you make is a couple great points. Uh, again, touching kind of off the creative destruction of like. When things start to innovate, what's your relationship to the innovation? Mm-hmm. Who does the innovate? Who's the innovation benefit or not benefit? When I think about the television, it's kind of very similar to 
not similar to UAW strike, although I see obviously just asserting the role of labor, especially when coming out of the pandemic, all kind of companies were are flush because of the very unique conditions we existed in for three years. Mm-hmm. Like everybody was home. Yeah. Right. Or like, you know, making some of the transitions to, 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 to the cars and just all these kind of things. And you have people asserting labor and labor kind of has to assert itself. And this is not a pro anti, this is just me looking at it. Everyone sees themselves as the manager these days. No one sees themselves as the worker. Mm-hmm. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, our society is in a great job of making everyone see themselves as the boss, even though they're probably not the boss. Right. <laughs> right. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a small amount of bosses and a lot of workers. And, but if you see yourself as, you know, connected to the people that make Netflix or connected to this person, then you don't see yourself like who, who care, do you care who runs the camera for your favorite show? Mm -hmm. And do you care how about how they feed their families? Right. If you care about having a new car, do you think about the people who are putting together the other cars? Right. Right. Or if you, hey, I'm getting mid, I'm getting a, you know, for this contest, not a Tesla, but if I'm getting a, you know, a Ford electric vehicle, look at what I'm doing. Do you think about how many people it it takes to make that car or not make the car? Again, not putting a value judgment on that. Just saying there's there's some different economics to that to that car than there are other cars. And we're never told about this other stuff. So some of it is like because we have a lack of knowledge about the broad contours of how our society is changing so fast, we don't know where to connect with the people. Like, do you connect with, oh, the company is suffering? Or do you connect with, hey, listen, folks are making more money than they've ever seen. And workers who, and we all feel the, the impact of inflation, like, need to be compensated appropriately. Right. So I, I think it's interesting on that level. And then just to drill down to where you where you took us so uh, adroitly. The idea of how television is created and one, to your point, how much is really recycled. Because mm-hmm. now just saying this, it makes me realize, yeah, since 1996. Right. I think 96. I mean, the real world was the first reality show. Right. But as I recall, like Big Brother, which I think it was, was like going is 1996 when it was a reality show. I think so. Yeah, Survivor is the other one that's like super long running. Like you don't realize, I think Survivor's been on TV almost twenty. It's more than twenty. It's like like, like closer to twenty five, I think, than than yeah. the twenty. Yeah, I mean, definitely closer. To, I think I think you know I think like ninety six. Like there's a whole. Um. You know, like I said I, I remember the first time I saw like a the Real Housewives of Orange County, and I was like, "That seems like a weird thing to make a TV show about." Who, who are these? Why should I know who these people are? You know what I'm saying? Like, also like cable channel had to have something on, and then you now, now it's like you know, it's a, a Real Housewives are everywhere, <laughs> right? And it's, but, yeah, it's like and like and showing ran, random people go like, "Yo, maybe I can." That's like an aspirational pathway. Like, yo, maybe I can get on the real, the real, uh, real, uh, uh, you know, barbecue cooking. And then spinoffs. Of West, and of then West the, actual, the wild thing is there's, in, there's industries of like YouTube shows and podcasts that are spinoffs of the reality show. Yeah. 
So then all they do is talk about the reality show, and then you either pay them or they get ad money for you to talk about a reality show. And so now we're at a, and you got AI kicking in of like, well, maybe since AI can write me a newspaper, it can also put together <laughs> put together a script. Put <laughs> like, the script together. I mean, yeah, you know, it's like, like for and my take is, and I'm not talking about the kind of broader existential thing that I think you you brought up so thoughtfully, but like 80% of the shows, if it was a scripted television show, if I watched it, I probably couldn't tell the difference. And that's not a knock to the writers, it's just to say, I don't know the nuances of it, right? So again, it's very similar to our conversation. When we don't know the nuances of a thing, I don't know the difference if AI wrote the thing versus you know, on watching a show, uh, uh, some sort of comedy show, watching a kid's comedy show on Nickelodeon. How do I know? Right? Now, I would know if I was watching Billions. I don't think you can mimic that. If I was watching The Wire, like, there's some stuff you can't really do, you know, you can't really make up, right? You need... But uh, so I think there's this broader lack of knowledge from the, from the, you know, the general public about the role of people in these spaces and in the role of technology in, in AI and where are the places do we think that technology can serve us and reduce cost and the question of who's it reducing the cost to? Like, is it producing a better outcome for you? Are you reducing my cable price because you're not paying that person? Because if you're not reducing my cable price because you're not paying Absolutely that not. <laughs> then, then, then it doesn't really benefit me, right? Absolutely like that's you not. know on a very selfish level. One thing I can tell you for sure, and, and two for certain, they ain't never cut the price. Price go one way up <laughs> at the cable company. Wait, that's that's damn shame. You ain't told no love. <laughs> oh, and I know I used to work in one. I worked in two. <laughs> price don't go. Price go one direction. Up. You know what I'm saying? And and, and, and the. And so, like, you have, and, that, and I think that to me is the like, I don't know, the interesting rub with all of this as as we're in this moment, right? And as we have, you know, you know, uh, you know, folks fighting to unionize, you know, some of the larger employers, uh, you know, in our country, you know, the Starbuckses and the Amazons of the world, and then, you know, still, and as I that you've been there, like this thing where everybody's convinced that they're that they're not like a worker. <laughs> Right there, like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, uh, I'm a brand. I'm a, like you're not a, which is a real interesting. If you ever read, um, <clears throat> if you ever read uh, Lower Ed, uh, Tressie McMillan Connor book about um, for profit uh, education industry, but also like a, a, a sub concept in that book is about sort of the way, like credential credentialization and then positioning of yourself that like you have to like get you know, like a way, a pathway for someone to get access to job opportunities to get more credentials that cost more money. But then you're sort of like, not like a, you know, like you're in this nebulous space. Like we also promote this idea that then you, um, you should be do something because you got those credentials. But the reality is some of those things is like, they can hire you or not hire you. Like <clears throat> the people can pay you better. They don't want to pay you just because they don't want to pay you. Like it ain't really based right. on like when, you know, we're not saying that you I'm not saying you don't need to get the skills, right? Or don't know how to do the work. <clears throat> but the the structure is about creating a, almost a, it creates this leverage. And then, you know, for employers to, you know, it primarily benefits, you know, there's lots of stuff that if we wanted at scale, you need a company with lots of people. 
or or a, or an entity of some sort with lots of people whether that they, that entity is a cooperative like uh i think like rei i think technically is a cooperative or something <laughs> yeah R-E-I, but but right. but like i don't know if in in like you know like if you think about the east end was east end co-op <laughs> like like they might be owned or start by 26 families or what's the, what's the co-op started by like some people or something right like yeah some hippies Yes, maybe right. Like we're like, yeah, these are folks that own it. We have annual meetings where we make decisions. Like, um, you know, we're not talking about mind dragging out here. You know what I'm saying? We, we talk about like, you right. know, which even that requires a high level orchestration organization to be operational as a real like worker cooperative that you know runs the company and controls the means of production, but also directs its guidance. And like, we have a real interesting thing happening in America, and like. The, the roles that we all kind of end up in and the way we perceive those roles <laughs> and then like the, oh, the way yeah. we talk about them in structure and so like folks could you know and you can see it through like well what they what are the writers complaining about they make plenty of money and it's like well you don't know how much first of all most of us don't know how much anybody really actually makes and and the median income in the united states i think it's still like fifty thousand dollars or something like that if i'm you know somebody go look up stats i'm not here to <clears throat> Um, but you know, in my mind, that don't sound like <laughs> the right number. Like, man, that seems like seems like we should be doing a little better than that in you know the wealthiest country in the history of the universe, you know, as we understand it. Um, and so you have to ask to me, like the, the pervasive idea, like within American society, that is like if I can pay you pennies or peanuts, that's totally cool if you if I can get you to take it. And it's like, why do we treat? I mean, I know why we treat people like that. I, I mean, that that'll be a different podcast, but um, it doesn't have to be that way. <laughs> like we we could go like, you know, let's just let's let's pay, let's just do a little better on paid, like split split the bread, and not be kind of be like, yo, you know how we gonna find an edge? We gonna pay these people that you know spent their whole lives getting good at writing as little as possible. We gonna set them up in a, they call it they call them like hot boxes where they're like hire you mm-hmm. for like like two weeks and try to get you to write as much as possible and then, then then wrap it up and take all the scripts and like make the show and then like that's it like you we don't ever hear from you again and it's like yo why like you don't have to do that <laughs> like you just don't have to do that I think that ties back to who do we align ourselves with and why and mm-hmm. I'm going to say this I think there are times where labor has not been as the broad labor movement has not been as intentional about connecting people to the reality of the job they do, that it's been more like, if I'm doing okay, I'm not telling you about the stresses of my job because I'm doing okay. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I don't bring up the fact that there's a that there is an inherent challenge in maybe the worker, the corporate worker relationship because I'm doing well. And that's also what happens. So if you have that and then everyone fashions themselves a boss, which then makes people say, well, here's what I would do. If I ran y'all, I wouldn't pay y'all neither. <laughs> then next <laughs> thing you know, you're like, because that's another thing. People are like, hey, well, my company wouldn't pay y'all neither. You know what I'm saying? I got to get mine. You know, I got an LLC over here, which don't even get me to the... To the, to the um, yeah, we'll say that. <laughs> the LLCification of of the black community during the pandemic and i do think i will you know and i'll stop here and that's kind of where i'm at with that but i will say to this i do think history will look at 
what happened in like the two, maybe let's say year and a half to two active years of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. In and black folks' relationship to money. Yeah. yeah. Because I think there was a literally huge shift in that time. And I think there was a huge loss and leakage of money from that time, from the black community in particular, again, because I'm black, I'm sure my Latino, my, you know, Latino brothers, uh, Latino sisters could say something different. The same, same with the indigenous uh, community. But like, something happened in the year two years. And I, I you know, so I, was, I really want to talk about this, man, between the whole NFT, you know, thing oh, falling yeah, to the floor. We need, yeah, we need to. Like, there's a shift around the concept of money and, and what happened during that time. But I will stop there and just say, I think your relationship of how you see yourself as a entrepreneur, leader, boss, sometimes often has an inverse relationship with how you see the importance of labor, which is, I think, in a good way coming up in American society that, you know, hadn't had its, hadn't reared its head nationally like we would see strikes on local levels but hadn't reared his head nationally at some time so yeah yeah i think um <clears throat> absolutely yeah I, I, we'll circle back you know to this because i think that's um there's a lot there you know what i'm saying to talk about and then and even how it's shaping you know what's what's happening now right that we're like kind of on the other side of what the pandemic was and, and, and like the net our I think larger community dialogue about like economic opportunity and community planning and vision and all sorts of stuff. You know what I mean? And then the individual sort of conversation around like, you know, where we're going. So um yeah, Pete. Um so one more thing for for let's go. And then we won't get too deep on it. I just think it's interesting on the way out. Um so we avoided a government shutdown because um McCarthy had to basically go, go go get votes from the other team, you know, breaking what has been a, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's been a while, somebody that, that tracks these things better of like, you know, pretty much every team, your team votes all together and the other team votes all together. And that's how that goes. And, and McCarthy, I mean, I think it's significant and a major issue because, you know, the small contingent of, um, his very thin uh, ability to be Speaker of the House in terms of, um, you know, I guess I call them the hardline conservatives, um, uh, was like, nah, man, we want the government shut down. <laughs> and he was like, come on, man, we can't really be doing that, y'all. Like, this is not, nah, man, later for that. And and then, uh, so, you know, I haven't had time to get all into details of the ins and outs. I'm going to try to do the day-to-day, do a little more reading to get a clearer understanding but I just think it's, uh, you know, in the midst of all that, the things that could be to have that happen, you know, over this weekend to avoid, you know, which quite frankly, it's the most ridiculous, one of the most ridiculous thing. We I think we've talked about these at least a little bit. Like this whole thing is a con- is a contrivance that is not necessary, <laughs> right? It's like it doesn't help us have more effective governance or anything else that like every three or four months we got to vote to, to pay the government's bills like it's sort of ridiculous um it's not sort of it's ridiculous but the 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 fact that this happened like you know I, i'll be curious like what you think 
you know, what do you think this means in the moment or what is, what, you know, what are we, are we, we looking at something really weird happening in the next couple of months? Uh, oh man. I mean, I think here's the thing. We, if we step back and we look at it, this started happening. I mean, as you can kind of really see it in like 2012 with the Obama administration, I think it was 12 or 11. Yeah. yeah, that was the first um, that was the first like time after, we, we yeah like that this really like oh well we, we basically like we figured out you know we got this thing where we got to vote on this instead of just voting on this because you know the government needs to pay its bills <laughs> we should use this as a leverage tool to make the administration do a thing and Obama right. blinked and and here we are and here we are right so because because we go back to Gingrich in ninety five he did it Gingrich Clinton mm-hmm. didn't blink. Gingrich yeah. blinked and then he was never the same again. Yeah. Um, Obama blinked and we've been held up by a band of pirates for the <laughs> for the last eleven <laughs> years in different formations, right? right. And, and I think it again, one, the idea that when a budget is signed, we have not agreed to pay the bills of the government for the entire at least the entire year. <laughs> like and 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 for everyone watching. Or listening, but then watching that story, please remember that this is only for they only put it off for the next 45 days. Right. <laughs> like this is not like we're they didn't get to a point where like we, we figured it out. See you next September. It's only to pay for the next 45 days. And it's going to happen again. And you know, depending on what you read from what angle, the Republican Party may or may not have a speaker sitting for a minute, a sitting speaker. In the House, because if uh, if they go to vacate the motion for the House and they can't come up with a conclusion, they just won't have one. And in the number two speaker, I mean, the number two in the Republican House is Steve Scalise, who is currently being treated for cancer. Oh. Right. Right. And there's a whole bunch of stories on how McCarthy and Scalise actually get along. And that's that's, you know, that's a whole nother thing. Um so I think people should really recognize that, like, on a federal level, the American government doesn't work very well. <laughs> like, I think we should just, like, and this isn't party based, because I think I think in a year from now, we're going to be having a number of conversations about the fissures in the Democratic Party, which <laughs> I think will cause its own bit of chaos. Um, Looking at an election, but like the fact that you have a set of people who were elected and in their election are now saying that they were elected to actually not run a government. Right. That the interest of the set of people that they represent, that they're saying that that set of people would rather the government entirely shut down than to figure out compromises on issues. If I followed the logic that that was true, now let, let's, I'm going to go and say that means Matt Gates from Florida. Went back and talked to people in his in his uh, district. Is, let's assume this, and heard from over fifty plus one, right? Right, fifty <laughs> percent plus one of the people in his district told you, told him, shut it, shut down. the motherfucker down, shut it down, delay those if section they, eight payments, and if they did that, they're morons. The they're morons. They're morons for thinking it. They're morons for electing him. He's a moron for coming here saying that he should go do a thing to shut down, not paying the not paying the army. 
this, this wouldn't happen. But, you, you know, people have to remember in the country when you don't pay the military, weird stuff starts happening. I'm not saying it wouldn't happen. <laughs> but in countries when you don't pay the military, they're the ones sitting with the guns. <laughs> it's just that the whole the whole thing of it is, I mean, you know, like I understand it's like, you know, you, you could have more leverage if you have a highly dysfunctional world and you're a, a small uh, pocket of, you know, you're a smaller pocket of uh, people. Right. So like if it's if it's a mess and it's chaos and people don't want to be involved, then, then our position is stronger because of because we're unified in how we want to show up in it. You know, but it, you know, and I, I suppose part of their thinking is I'm not gonna be around if it if it all falls apart like in, in, in over the next you know 30 years and, and you have a whole different you know world experience. Um but it's pretty selfish and short-sighted. And, you know, there's a good um, uh, Netflix, uh, if you ever watched uh, the death, what's the name of robots? And it's like little animated shorts. It is one with the start of the third season with the robot, where the robot overlords come back to earth to like see what happened to humans <laughs> and kind of go through all the like, oh, these type of humans, they thought they would do this and this would work out for them. And these humans, they did this decision. Um, and, you know, it's very it's not I don't I, I don't know why for some folks it's a virtue to be like, yeah, I'm I'm not listening to nothing you got to say because I want to do it this way and you guys stick. So I'm just gonna, you know, if you want to come, I, mean, I guess I do I do. Why am I saying I don't I mean I do, but I don't know. I don't totally understand it. It's here's, like, here's what it's I, like, where are we going? Like, how how is you going? Because like later then you're gonna want to like eat some chips and you're gonna hope that the potato chips was like made and they're there and they're in the stores where you want them. But it's like you're creating a world where it's like, hey man, may not be no potato chips because it's totally unstable. Like everything is chaos. <laughs> right. Right. But that's the thing. We're we're testing a world where we like mess with it a little bit and keep messing with it a little bit and then think that it'll be like, okay. Like, you know, January 6th, I think was a really interesting transition there. Cause you do get to a group of people that's kind of like, Hey man, I'm going up here. Tell these people that I don't like what's going on in here. Mm-hmm. Oh man, we're in the doors. <laughs> oh man, maybe I should take a piss on the floor. <laughs> right. I'm really mad. And I've been watching media that's been produced, creating wealth, untold amounts of wealth for people and stakeholders to tell me to do this kind of stuff when they really don't want me to do this kind of stuff, but they tell me to do this kind of stuff because they know it gets me going. Mm-hmm. And now that's the same group of people that will send people to government to say, shut it down. And this is not a dissident party. Like, you know, this is why I think America needs a, a conversation about like different parties and like, don't get me wrong. Clearly, you can see in other countries the challenge that comes mm-hmm. when that happens too. But like, we just can't assume that all these different people are all part of the same thing, man. <laughs> we we're lying to ourselves. This group of people who are doing this, they are part of the Republican Party in like name only. They're not even part of the like. Republican Party that, you know, people would be like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I want lower taxes. I kind of don't like this. I kind of like this. 
you know, I want us to be strong in the world. These people like this. I don't want no taxes. I don't want this. And I'm not giving money to nobody. I don't care if it's Putin or not. Like, right? I'll give me fighting Putin. Who else we fight? Like, I'm not giving money to nobody. That party in a real world and the rest of the world would be its own party. And they would have to negotiate for power. Right. Amongst, uh, they would have to caucus with people and make decisions on what they were willing to accept and not. And we would be able to see them for what they were, a group of people, a party that existed like this, not like we just put it on like Republicans. Because I'm not, and I'm not trying to spare Republicans, but the vast majority of Republicans in this country, even in, in, in government, is like, we can't do this. Right. Like no matter what we disagree on, no matter what we've created with these two sides, Hatfields and McCoys, you know, Bloods yeah. and Crips, like yeah. <laughs> it's much more. We can't we can't do this. And so I, I really think this is where, you know, the philosopher in me is like, man, we should just have different parties, man, because this is this old Democrat Republican thing. Right. It's, it's not working. Like if we at least if it was spread out, it was more teams on the field. We could be like, well, you know, you the uh, you know the, um, the you know the grass the grass is greener party man they really got some good ideas about trash removal <laughs> like, like I, mean, I love what they're talking about over there I don't really like their policy on you know trees because you know they want grass they like grass they're not really into trees they're in the grass you know what I'm saying like I'm being facetious but just for you know to understand that like it would more a more diverse and I guess sort of tied to where we started this conversation, like, but for that to work, all this other stuff in the structure currently, right, that works because, like, the people who, you know, have the most money to put into, you know, me, quite frankly, when people run for office, especially big high office, there's like, there's a, sub, there's a set of people that put a lot of money into it, <laughs> right? We don't know all their names. Um, I'm not going to try to to act like I do. Or if I did, I don't know if I should be talking about them. <laughs> but <laughs> the, the, like for both of our, you know, two major parties, um, there are people who, you know, when they're like, well, sources say and donors, they're talking about a subset of people who have lots of money and then not only lots of money, but have a willingness to engage in the apparatus. And so then the way stuff functions is highly influenced by those people's wishes. You know whether we think that's good or not. Right now, I, I, you know, I think you know that's a different. Again, that's another conversation about public financing and money's influence on government. Do do do. But when it gets down to it, for us ever to have a very serious uh, conversation about having multiple parties, we need to have a serious, like either a will a, a sea change in behavior where those who have the means to go. All right, instead of putting my money, I mean, and, and there's there is a person you know the, the guy we ain't gonna say his name because I ain't giving that dude no free airtime. But um you know there's some some tech dudes that think that they can do they they can pull this off with a third running a third candidate for president. So I always think it's such a ridiculous like why don't you like why don't you do like some other office that's like a little easier to get into first like just just to prove the concept. Or just <laughs> Running for president, controller, like run a third person for controller in your city. Run a third, like run, actually do the work of creating, you know, functional local and state parties. Right now, again, there's there is a lot of this. You have the Working Families Party out of New York that also now is in Pennsylvania and is you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on because the Democratic Party got some because they're kind of Democrats but they're kind of not, and you know. And then when it gets down to when it gets down to scarce votes, 
people kind of like, okay, is it Democrats or not? So, I mean, there's, there, again, there's a broader conversation, but again, kind of what comes through all of this is how aware are we of the thinking behind the, the systems and the structures that we look in, that we look at to judge if they're working for us or not, you yeah. know? Yeah, so. All right. So, I mean, you know, I guess let's say that's safe. I mean, I'm sure we'll be, there'll be more conversation about that as yeah. the, the, the fallout of this really, we see what the hell happened. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's going good, but I just think we got, we got a real interesting year coming and, you know, it's, it's going to get, it's going to get real, it's going to get real strange in the paint. I think I hear with, you know, people going to be acting out. I, I, I think I, I, I really think one of the, you know, this just be a just footnote, like, what is like street folk is going like totally act out like i mean we even had the stuff with the outfits this week you know what i'm saying you know what's the name wearing a jean <laughs> a jean vest and then you know the you know rather than sweatshirts and they pass the rules and like it's a lot of wild stuff going on in our national federal government and hopefully um you know lights will stay on in america and none of the dams will break or you know large infrastructure projects won't be undermined because we don't have appropriate governance you know what i'm saying so in any event, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, that's all I got. Um, hey, man. Good to go. All right. So with that, <laughs> I'm saying stay safe out there. <laughs> stay safe. <laughs> Peace. <laughs> Peace. Thank you for listening to Good Brothers. Thank you to my good brother, I'm Majestic. Uh, I will spare you the super long outro because guess what? There's another episode probably already ready right now so please listen rate subscribe where you listen you know what i'm saying and and you know i don't know i keep saying the bear with a brother but what you gonna do you know what i'm saying life comes at you fast catch us in the next one though peace